All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Regarding your discussion of Ukraine versus the Ukraine, the official name of that country is actually just Ukraine, and it has been ever since it became independent of the Soviet Union. The fact that many people think that it is called the Ukraine is a leftover from when it was called the Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic. Most of the time, names of countries will have an article when it's a plural or when it's referring to a region. So the United States, of which there are 50, the United Arab Emirates, and the Hammonds Plains Road question would be because Hammonds is describing which planes so it's the planes or the Hammonds planes anyway this has been Jade Explains a Thing spoiler alert here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney the most laborious aspect of the of the French press is the clean out like yeah. to, to gr- like to gut all the old grinds fudge. out of the bottom is a pain in the ass exactly the fudge the fudge and the, the coffee fudge at the bottom <laughs> yeah the sludge fudge Seems like forever since we've done a pod. I know. It's How are you doing? Long. Two weeks? Just two weeks. Just two weeks. But it, it feels like a lot of time has... I think it's because we've had a full season change in those two weeks. That's true. Where weather has actually gotten warmer. Well, and uh, we went from the Raptors having only won one game in the series. That's right. To winning the championship. To winning an effing championship. Which is old news now, but it's still so exciting. It's still crazy, yeah. Yesterday was yesterday was the parade two days ago? Two days ago, I think. They had the two million person parade. Two million people. Yeah. Did you see insane. the clip of the, I think it was the general manager, completely icing Doug Ford? No. It was glorious. He like, he like shakes his hand like obligatorily, but clearly Doug wants to like chat for a second he just completely blows by him and then gives trudeau a hug that's a good political move by him it was was, i don't i mean unless he just didn't know who he was which also is kind of funny he definitely masai ujiri i think yeah yeah he definitely know who he was he'd have to yeah what a punk what a punk what a punk that's fun though so that was exciting i watched all six games start to finish now i fancy myself i'm one of those people who's like no let me tell you about the raptors i get yeah i love but i I liked it you were you were confident in your takes it was like you know what fred van fleet's shooting too much that's right i don't like uh i i think marcus is good i like (laughs) you know stuff i'm very pro marcus yeah yeah Yeah. it's great Sometimes I kind of felt, even though Marcus All is huge, mm-hmm. I often felt like he won a contest to play with professional ball <laughs> yeah. players. Because like he's he's great for like tapping it in, yeah. but he's very clumsy a lot of the time yeah. too. He's he's a big dude who's kind of like reached his prime already. Oh, is that right? Yeah, like he's he's a veteran who gets it. He understands the game, but because it's mostly really... young guys out there, he's not yeah. one of the young guys. He's not one of the young guys. I see. But the fact that you're saying Marcus All on a podcast, like if you would have told me this. Five years ago, I would have said, who? Who? Who, who? said that? Colin Sweets? Sweets? Said Marcus Gasol. Really? And then Crazy. I would have said, who's Marcus? I was like, did Marcus All murder a celebrity? <laughs> <laughs> did Marcus All start dating Selena Gomez? Is yeah. that what happened? <laughs> That's the only way that makes way, way more sense. Yeah. yeah. Wait, and the Raptors won a championship? Yeah. yeah that- <laughs> All right. Now we're, now we're, I know you're bullshit. Some kind of al- alternate universe, but yeah. at least we can be sure somebody really qualified as the president yeah, in five right. years. Well, and who did they beat? Like, they must have beat someone weird who just snuck. Oh, the Warriors? No, like the champion team, oh, like God. the best team yeah oh my god it was wild it was lots of fun raptors win raptors win and it was infuriating and all and i felt all the emotions that a sports fan is in is meant to feel anger and fury anger with your own people at times sure complete elation and then you take the elation back because you think you're gonna lose it in that final second i was just so scared that they were gonna find some bullshit reason to put 20 seconds back on the clock and steph was gonna take it all away yeah 
You almost just wanted it to be tied just so Kawhi could hit a last second shot and just ice the game. Well, that's why I didn't understand why we had to like reserve all the celebration. It was over. Like all of that deliberating just ultimately was like, do we give them a chance to get more points? Right. It, that You're right. That was pretty much it. Yeah. I, I think it's just one of those things where you're like, don't be the team that celebrates before they, like we don't want to be historically the team that was celebrating the win. And then something crazy happened. Someone just shot up a three, yeah. although they were at four points. It got fouled. And there are some classic sports, sports real classics where somebody is like already celebrating in like some kind of track and field long distance run or whatever. They've totally. already got their fists in the air, and then somebody just comes in clutch and oh. takes it over. And it's embarrassing. It's like every other week, the Sports Center has a top ten about like top ten premature celebrations right. or something like. That would be on it forever. Number one, it has bullet. it has changed uh, seasons since our podcast uh, has been on hiatus, and this is going to be a warm room. It's going to be a tough couple of months in this room. I think. I'm reading 22 degrees right now. It's 7:37 p.m. 22 degrees to most Atlantic people. Time. To most people, that would be like just above room temperature. To me, that's a solid five degrees above room temperature. That's right. You and Jen run the same temperature, and uh, I'm fine with it being warm. Like I'm drinking a hot coffee in here right now. Oh, that's a hot coffee? Yeah. You're a psycho. Hot pot of coffee. It's making me kind of warm, but I'm like, you know, you got to deal with it. It's those heat shock proteins that Joe Rogan talks about, right? Uh, okay. I guess so. I, I haven't listened to Rogan in a while. He talks about going into saunas after workouts, and it's supposed to make you a better human. I had an opportunity to, to kind of cull my podcast feed because I got a new phone. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to subscribe to all the podcasts I've been subscribing to because so many I just don't listen to anymore. Yeah. Uh, so that was cleansing. So what's what's the best podcast you've listened to recently? We haven't really talked about that. Well, are you familiar with the Nighttime Podcast? No. Is it like a... Oh, you were t- you were telling me, is this the one that you listen to to fall asleep? No. Oh, no. Okay. No, that's Sleep With Me. Okay. Uh, and I don't really listen to that anymore. Becky does. Nighttime okay. Podcast is produced, I believe, in Halifax, but it's a true crime podcast. And okay. it focuses on like weird kind of fringe stories that take place within Canada. Okay. And it's a pretty well-produced show. Okay. Uh, but in the last couple of episodes, they've focused on a specifically Haligonian mystery, which is the legend of the glove guy. Oh, no way. There are two episodes about the glove about guy. About glove guy. There was one about, about a month ago, and then he did a follow-up episode that just came out this weekend. Whoa. Man, I've probably had like two hours of conversation just in passing about glove guy. So what is the tone of those conversations? Because there's a few different ways you can... Um, you can examine the legend of the glove guy. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to slip into it. It's so absurd and bizarre that it's funny. It's easy to make jokes about glove guy. Yeah. But also at its core, it's deeply upset. It's pretty. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of the way that I think the witnesses, the people that have experienced it, talk about it. Right. They're like it's kind of funny, but like, it's also messed up. Like, why did he really want me to try those gloves on like he drove me home for free so that's that's basically the legend and i implore people to listen to it especially young men because his his i don't want to say his uh his victims because i don't know that he's had any like like uh, quote-unquote victims in a legal sense mm-hmm. um but uh, his targets tend to be like young drunk men yeah and so what he'll do is like drive his black suv around downtown halifax and offer visibly drunk guys rides home and mm-hmm. his idea is uh, I just offer this service so that people don't get put in the drunk tank. I just want to make sure everyone gets home safe. And he seems like 
kind of odd, but also you're drunk and your inhibitions are yeah. kind of uh, compromised. And so you just go with it. It's vigilante justice, but for like right. And so cab when, when you're alone in this guy's car, mm-hmm. he goes into his glove box and he's like, will you try on this glove for me? And he's like, I also sell gloves. Uh, yeah. Like a seller make gloves. Yeah. And so his kink is watching men try and squeeze into leather gloves that are slightly too small for them. Right. And so typically big guys, like guys over six feet, yeah, bro guys, I think. Yeah. And, uh, most of the stories in the podcast are basically like, they're kind of going along with it. And then ultimately they just bail. They're just like, ah, oh, you can let me out here. Like, yeah, I'm uh, good, man. Yeah. Thanks. And then in this follow up episode, they get a guy, um, <laughs> went all the way home. He, no, he's, he doesn't find anything funny about it. Oh, really? Cause he's there's, like, cause it goes really an extra disturbed. step with this guy and he's like, this guy should be in jail. Really? Yeah. And you should listen to it. It's fascinating, but it's also like so local. So it's like listening to any true crime podcast, like serial or whatever. Yeah. But they're like, so I'm walking up spring garden and I'm passing McDonald's and I'm on my way to Coburg. And I'm like, this is too real. Yeah. <laughs> we might've met glove guy. You did? No, 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 no. I'm just saying like, because of proximity. Sure. There's a chance we, we were in the same car as glove guy. Well, I don't know. Get this on the road to Peggy's Cove. Yeah. There is a weird house with a sign on the end of the driveway that says gloves for sale. And this was in the podcast too? No. Uh, I'm just aware just... of that sign. Wow. It's not a thing you forget. Yeah. <laughs> was did you notice a black SUV there? I haven't I haven't had the wherewithal to notice, but we maybe, should take a trip out there. Maybe I'll just make an excuse to go out to White Sales Bakery, yep. free plug, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe I'll get a pie. Maybe check on Glove They're Guy. They're the new sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> Check a glove guy. <laughs> hey, glove guy, how you doing? This week's show show is brought to you by <laughs> Coconut Cream Pie at White Sales Bakery. Can you imagine? While you're there, it try, takes, try out a glove. It takes a sharp left turn. Brought to you by Random Glove House. <laughs> Random Glove House is now a sponsor. Uh, we tried on the gloves in front of the owner. He seemed to really, really love us. He gave us like $2,000. He's very, very, it's, it's creepy. So anyway, those two podcasts are the podcasts I've been listening to. Yeah. I was saying like I could picture me... Um, trying gloves on. Yeah. For um, well, I was just blackout drunk. I just don't remember it. I was like, "All right, cool, man." Yeah, that's, that's why the story is is kind of relatable and kind of chilling because when you tell it to someone, the first reaction is like, "Well, why would you get in a stranger's car?" But I don't know. In that position, like, I I guess I kind of get it. If he's coming off like he's just offering you a favor and you're drunk and you really want to get home. Well, and sometimes like you know a. a a dark, uh, like a black SUV kind of looks like it would be, you know, just a, a, a service like a professional, like Uber, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, like someone who pick you up from the airport or something. I'd be like, sure, whatever. You're basically saying you're a driver. Well, Let's and in a perfectly pure world, I could see how that's a good way to make money. Yeah. Like, like not through the service of Uber, just to like, or or through just any to kind like of like pull over and be like, and I'll, be like I'll drive you for twenty bucks. Yeah, it's way less than you'd pay a taxi. Yeah. I I can I can see that, but obviously that's that's putting too much faith in the world. Mm-hmm. He's like, whoa 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 whoa, <laughs> no money exchanged. Look in the glove compartment. That's what happens. That's where I keep my gloves. Yeah, that's right. Only person in the world who probably keeps his gloves in the glove compartment. I know he's finally getting a use out of the glove yeah. compartment. He's the only reason we still call it that. That's right. Yeah. His opening line, by he's the way. He's being paid by GM. His opening line is not creative. It's, so, you like gloves? <laughs> That's true. Uh, can you, 
But it, it's been relatively quiet from Glove Guy for the last like year and a half, I think. Well, you should listen to part two of the podcast. You should listen oh. to both of them because there there is a reason why it might be quiet, but also there's not enough reason to know it won't happen again. Except right. for that he's more famous now. So I, I think people... Well, I don't know. It could go two ways. People could either be more wary of him because they've heard the stories and get the fuck out. Yeah. Or they could be like... This is the glove guy. I'm gonna fuck with them. Yeah, like, and if that's I got dangerous. In with, if I got in with a couple of buddies, I'd be like, man. Well, and he's, he's I text my friends. He's apparently not that big. He's no. like in his fifties, and he's like not. He's not physically scary, right? Um, because that's what a couple of the guys in the podcast say. Like, I'm pretty sure I could take this guy if I had to, right? Um, but just the tone of it all is so unsettling. He didn't have like a sinister vibe. He was kind of like. No, no just, there's 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 some sinister stuff. Oh, yeah, sinister stuff that he says. Yeah. Oh my god, I gotta listen to this. Yeah, it's so good. It's really well oh done too. The nighttime podcast did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. We should check that out. That's right. Um, any other entertainment news? I feel like I've just been. It, we're kind of at a loss. Asleep there's, at the wheel. There's not. It's been kind of. Uh, a lean week for entertainment news the last couple of weeks. I don't know if it's because sports have kind of taken over. They have yeah. a little bit. That's a big part of it. I know. Now what do we got? Um, Fleabag. Well, we have Fle- Are you done Fleabag yet? No, I'm like four episodes in. I just got to the part where uh, the priest is really startled by the fact that there might be a fox in the backyard. Oh, the fox. And I laughed so hard. Yeah. I had to show Jen. I was he's like, an amazing Jen, actor. He's, he's incredible. He's got a unique charisma. And so does she. Yes, of course. Have, have that goes without saying at this point, I think, yes. that Phoebe Waller-Bridge were totally on board. Have we done a podcast since I finished it and immediately texted you? I don't think so. I, I, think finished, I finished watching weeks. it, and I, I texted you something to the effect of, like, I'm two weeks late on this. I can't bear to be another person who tweets about how great Fleabag is. So I'll tell you, this yeah. was, like, an, a revolutionary artistic experience for me. Yeah, you really loved it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel, And I feel like it really comes together... At the end, like the second season you would say is way better than the first. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird because the first season is based on her stage play and she was reluctant to do a second season. Right. And then she she did and it was a completely different tone, different story. Kind but, of abandons the first season a little bit. And does she have a name? Does she not go nope. by any name in it? She's nope. really supposed to A lot of the characters don't have names. Her sister Claire does and her husband Martin. But the godmother is the godmother. The father. Yeah. The priest doesn't have a you name. Mean the stepmother. Stepmother, I mean. Right. Uh, the priest doesn't have a name. The priest doesn't have she a name. She doesn't either. have a name. She's just Fleabag, although they don't call her that either. Right. No. Yeah, I'm I'm loving it. Yeah. I'm going through it pretty quickly now. Ridiculously good. Yeah. So we'll kind of, we'll try and stretch a couple of topics out. One is Toy Story 4, which comes out this week. Yes. It, did you hear about its RT score? You were telling me it's 100%. It has gone down to 99. Ah, oh, that shitty movie. Which, I know, what trash. Which means it is now, uh, it's still the second best rated. Like, Toy Story 1 and 2 have 100% of Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Toy Story 3 has 98. Toy Story 4 has 99. So right. they, they have a total of 397 out of 400, which right. is impossible. That's never been done before. Right. And I don't know if it's because the critics want it to be as good as the relic are they giving it more points than they otherwise might i don't think so well like what have you ever experienced that with i know but like criticism is um it is it's not like a fine science right like we're just like coming up with whether or not we think it's good giving it yeah. thumbs up thumbs down but no really one you feel like more... no one can even have a hot take on it someone like someone would have a if they really wanted to like if i could go either way on it 
there has they to might be... just give it a bad one bad score i don't know can you lose your credibility if you're known for being that magazine that always gives uh trashy reviews to like objectively great things like I, there's there's a part of me that like knows art is subjective and there's another part of me that believes very strongly that some art is objective you know right. what i mean like some of it is like this is not up for debate it's amazing it's really good but yeah i don't for for a movie for a series of animated movies that's that's where i think this half the surprise comes in i watched all three toy story movies in the span of 24 hours last weekend okay and i've always loved them it was very interesting to watch the evolution of digital animation right it's amazing how much it gets better over those three movies because toy story was the first feature-length film ever to be made on a computer well they say in the first one like the humans were really really hard to get right and they look awful and they look bad yeah especially mom yeah. She looks terrible. Yeah. And the dog is terrible yeah. in Toy Story 1. Right. Scud. Yeah. Um, and then by Toy Story 3, it it's much better. And I think in this movie, it'll be all the better still. There's a thing in the trailer for Toy Story 4. Granted, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know what we're getting at. But it looks to be like a flashback to when Andy was a kid. Right. And I don't know why they felt they had to get a different person to play Andy in an animated movie because it doesn't look anything like Andy. <laughs> it's a different Andy. It looks like it's a different, a different kid. That's not Andy. But it's so funny because they must have been like, wow, we, we can't animate shitty Andy from the first one. But that can't was 20 they, like, years ago. They could use the same goddamn bone structure. It looks like a completely, <laughs> right. looks like they got Timothy Chalamet to be right. digital Andy in gotcha. part four. Yeah, that's a strange choice, I suppose. The rumor, and lots of critics have seen this movie, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but the public hasn't. The rumor is that it can be gleaned from Toy Story 4 that Woody is openly bisexual, which is going to create all kinds of problems in China. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was super confusing. Yeah. You think it just gets to a point? You think this whole thing's just about like loving with and being with whoever? And I don't. I because don't he's know. with he's with a girl baby now. Oh, well, I don't... Okay, so now we're, now we're considering that maybe Woody's love is romantic love and it's for his no, own... No, I don't think it's romantic love. That's that's where... It, so the the bisexual thing, I'm wondering if they're just using it as a metaphor for accepting everyone. It's Well, maybe, but like, how are we going to demonstrate that? Because Woody, <laughs> Woody has always been in love with Bo Peep, Woody right? has sex with Bo Peep and Woody has sex with Buzz and they just... He turns to the camera and says, I'm bisexual. Well... <laughs> Someone pulls a string, and that's one of the phrases that comes out. There is a snake in my booth. <laughs> <laughs> You're my favorite deputy. Uh, yeah. um, I don't know. I don't because like the Bo Peep wasn't in Toy Story three, and a big part of the story for Toy Story four is the return of Bo Peep. Like they go on an adventure, they learn where she is, they're going to rescue her or whatever. Right. And Toy Story is always a rescue mission, right? Yeah. Um, and she is Woody's love interest, I think, and Jesse is Buzz's love interest. Is yes. there going to be some cross pollination? Is there going to be some love the one you're with action? <laughs> it's <Maybe>. like <laughs> we're swingers. I just like I don't. Do you remember when when they the the guy who's like Gaston's buddy in Beauty and the Beast? Okay, and they like kind really play into the fact that he's like openly, obviously gay for Gaston. He's in love with Gaston. Okay, in the new live action Beauty and the Beast, and the movie got like banned in China and like. I, I get that, like, it's Disney's first openly gay character, and that's cool. But also, like, are you just sticking it in there to create, like, some kind of clickbait? To be like, we're tolerant. They make a new song. <laughs> You're not making a movie about gay lifestyle. You're yeah. 
And not, not that you have to do that to, to be representative either, but it's just like you're trying to tick a box. Let's make this non-consequential character gay. Except what he's not non-consequential. No, he's very much the center of the movie. He is of consequence. Yes. Yeah. But his name is Woody, too. So That's true. So maybe it was staring us in the face all along. <laughs> this is the first Pixar movie in 23 years yeah. to not open with a Pixar animated short. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Does it? Yeah, I get excited for the shorts. I like the shorts, often just as charming as the feature films themselves. You remember Boundin? Bound, bound, <laughs> bound and rebound. Yeah, I was sure do. So good. Yeah. There once was a story about life and its changes, and it happened not long ago. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it was great. You do know it. Yeah. What are some other ones? I mean, obviously, there's the Chess Man. That's kind of the original Pixar short, I think. Yeah. Well, the original Pixar short is the lamps, but right. the one that they put in Bugs Life with the old men. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. I don't I, remember most of them. You're right. You're right. Most of them aren't that memorable. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I'll miss it. I think there's going to be plenty of emotional exploitation. Oh, there was Piper a couple years ago. Remember the little sandpiper on the beach? That mm. one was amazing because they did like... The, the way they animated water was sensational. Right. Yes, I do remember seeing that one. Was that before like Wally or Up maybe? Uh, Maybe. No, I think it was before like Inside Out. Like it was more recent. Okay. Yeah. Was Wally... One that they turn from a short to a feature length? I don't think so. No. No. Are you familiar with the Pixar theory? How it's all the same universe? Yeah. And yeah. I was Becky and I were going over that a couple of weeks ago when we watched all the Toy Stories. Did it kind of check out? Or did you want it to check out? I mean, it's one of those theories. That's, it's it's kind of like the Darth Jar Jar theory. It's like extraordinary right. how, how well it fits, except of course not. It's kind of like that. It's right. Like... Who's writing that story and being like, and I'm going to leave a little Easter egg here that Jar Jar is actually Darth Darth. Yeah. I don't know. No, there's a part of me actually that does think that George Lucas was considering making Jar Jar evil. Right. Um, there's a part of me that really does believe that. But like the Pixar theory, just the idea that all of Pixar is is building towards this great cinematic universe about industrialization. Is, right. It seems a little heavy-handed for kids' movies. Yeah. Albeit, like, well-done kids' movies that are, obviously, they have adult um, themes in them. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Yeah, not... And it's about, like, the the singularity and stuff. Like, stuff is coming to life. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's bizarre. And do they include, like, the newer movies, too? Like, Inside Out and... I don't know about Inside Out. I don't know if that was out when they first launched the theory, but I'm sure there's somebody who can like figure out how it works. Right, how it worked into it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I like I like that people are using their creativity there, but yeah. But is this energy that could be better yes. <laughs> expended elsewhere? Yes, one hundred percent. Absolutely, definitely. Yeah. Uh, if they were to make a new remake of the 1984 feel-good movie Twins starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. Who would play the <sighs> twins? Great question. Um, aren't they trying to do it with those two people again? Oh, uh, maybe. But say okay. they were to recast it and do like a modern retelling of the, of the, fairy, of the great fable that is Twins. Okay, I'm going to go with like Chris Hemsworth and... As Arnold. As Arnold. And then like... God, who's got to be really short, right? Like not just like shorter than Chris Hemsworth, but like the point is like amazingly different in size. How are these two technically the same species? 
Uh, they'd probably go with like Kevin Hart. It'd be Kevin Hart and Chris Hemsworth. It would Hemsworth. be Kevin Hart. That's yeah. actually a good answer. Except that Kevin Hart and Chris Hemsworth. Different races. They don't look like twins. Exactly why. They would do it? They would do it. Exactly why yeah. they would do it. So Jason Momoa wants to do it. Okay. With Peter Dinklage. Oh, all right. Which Peter Dinklage is above. I don't know if Jason Momoa is above it. Clearly he wants to do it. I don't think it. he is. I think he's he's got a lot of goofball in him. Uh, you mean Momoa? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that guy. You don't? No. I've, I've, I heard a story about him on Aquaman. Amber Heard oh. was like reading a book and he didn't like that he was not getting any attention from her. And so he like took the book and like threw it in the pool or something. Oh, yeah. And then, he, then he hosted SNL and I found him to be like, obviously you have to be a ham when you're on SNL, but I just found him to be a lot. He was a lot. The, and the one thing that was kind of it's saving grace for me was thinking that, hell, oh, he's probably a nice guy. Like he's probably good. But no, this seems like he's. I don't asshole. know. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm just not inclined to like him. I think Peter Dinklage is above that. It would be a shame if he had to do a thing where it's like, oh, look, he's short. Yeah. But that's one of the great challenges of his career, which he has like, he has um, appropriated his his circumstance very nicely. Yep. And obviously that one part in Game of Thrones was perfect for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what he was in that like, it, d- it didn't matter at all that he uh, uh, was a little person. Is that the correct term? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, was Jesus the the billboard three billboards Ebbing Missouri? He remember when he was in that, and he like kind of weirdly had like a flirty vibe with Francis McDormand. Yeah, yeah. What was his role in that? He was just like a townie, I think. Was he just a drunk? He was in the bar. I can picture him in the bar. Yeah, I think he was just a townie. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That was a good one. Yeah. I think he was also in Thirty Rock. I think we've talked about that before. And he was an elf. And an elf. And I swear to God, I saw him one time on Pizza Corner. Yeah. I did. I did. Pre-Game of Thrones. Wow. I don't know what he would have been doing here in Halifax, but he was with two honeys. Really? Yeah, two honeys. Did you ever look that up? No, I should do that. Dinklage. Can you imagine Pizza Corner? I just remember somebody saying, over there is the guy from Elf. And then I turned the corner around, sure enough, it's the guy from Elf with two honeys. With two honeys. I love how you're referring to them as honeys, too. Elf and two honeys. And I wouldn't normally do that uh, (laughs) out of respect to the women. Yep. But it just had that look. It had a honey vibe. (laughs) Yeah, he like had a hand on either of the smalls of their backs. Right. Sure. Sure, Right. And the glove guy was there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Marvel's Avengers Endgame is still in theaters, and it's about to be re-released in theaters. Oh, my God. Great. Next week. So I'm not sure there's going to be any gap at all. Right. Uh They've added time to it. So there's new previously unseen footage. So the idea is go to see Endgame. There's new stuff you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Now, this is interesting because they're only $45 million short of the all-time box office worldwide record. Only $45 million short of Avatar. You re-release it with the tease that there's new stuff to see. It's not at all inconceivable that they could get another $45 million. No. Uh, doesn't it also feel a little cheap? Yes. They're like, we're getting that $45 million. We're re-releasing it. Except this time, Paul Rudd's going to like take a bite of his taco and be like, spicy. Absolutely. And that's, those are the differences. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, like, it's going to be, they just like shaved it out to, yeah. to find some reason to keep it in theaters a little bit longer than it otherwise might have a reason to. It'll but show now they can promote it again. farmhouse for a little bit longer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they'll drag uh, maybe Jeremy Renner out to do a James Corden appearance to promote it once more, just right. to drum up a little bit more buzz yeah. and they'll still squeeze out that extra $45 million and they'll get it and they'll be the all time uh, highest grossing movie. I'm against that. Yeah. You're drawing the line. Yeah. 
What had happened? <laughs> you think just now Marvel's gotten too commercial? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> they they over they cross the line. This really crosses the line. Yeah. Did you watch Dead to Me? Did you finish watching that? No, not at all. I didn't even watch the first episode. Oh, I thought you did. No, that's the podcast. You I did wanted alone. to though, but I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't get Jen to get on board with it. That's weird. I know. Oh, okay. Well, you should watch the first one because the first one is is very gripping. She's also not on board with Fleabag, and I know if she watched more episodes, she would get into it. I wish I knew what to compare Fleabag to. Except for that, I heard somebody say that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is what Lena Dunham tried to be. I actually think that's a little bit unfair to both of them. Mm, yeah. Um, they're very... They're, I guess they're both singular. Fleabag is more singular than girls. Well, and and did either go in saying, I want to make, like, what do you think Lena Dunham was saying? I don't know. I just remember that people used to say that she was like the next Woody Allen. And right. I liked the first season of Girls, but even then I was like, fuck off. A little bit much. And I'm trying to like separate from the obvious problems with, with Woody Allen. We know. Right. But once upon a time. Yeah. And same with Fleabag. Are you... You're obviously buying in a lot more. I don't know that. what to compare her to. Right. I don't know what to say She's this reminds thing. me of. And that's what's so weird about the breaking of the well, fourth wall. That's probably what they said about Woody Allen. Yeah. They were probably like, oh my God, he's the next. Wait, no, there, there's been nothing like him before. I guess there's something revolutionary about him, but mm. but I don't know. I don't know. Can you invent a style? Because I don't know if she's invented a style, but it feels very new. She didn't invent breaking the fourth wall. Is what I'm no, saying. No, 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 no. Yeah, but I don't, it feels fresh. I don't think it's the style, but maybe it's just the overall story. I guess. I think just the dialogue is just like, how did you put that together in your head? Yeah. How did you come up with that? Yeah. It really is impressive. And there's another part of me that just kind of thinks that there is an injustice among artists, where that like you can just sense soul in them, and so it's sold better. So, like, you know, I love the band Dawes. Yep. I've been listening to Dawes this week. And, and they're coming to Halifax. Yeah. And, like, I've been, I've a couple of times on Monday, I, cr- I openly wept in my car listening to Dawes. <laughs> been a lot of open weeping lately, sweet. I don't know what it is. I'm like, and I, I'm not ashamed of it. No, I, you shouldn't I, be. And I'm not rejecting it either because there have been huge points in my life where I didn't cry at all and I right. felt very um, uh, pent up because of that. Sure. So I think it's good. Um, but I was just listening to Dawes. And I was wearing sunglasses, thank God, because I'm stuck in traffic. And it was just like, I'm blubbering. <laughs> and uh, the lyrics are beautiful. He's an extraordinary songwriter, but also they're very simple. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that there are many of many other artists who could say the same thing and it wouldn't hit as hard. So I kind of wonder if like the simplicity of Fleabag is not dissimilar from that. Is like, this is just a, a story about a person struggling to be comfortable with herself in a complicated, sad world. And it's a lot of people have written that story and it's not as moving. It's possibly the, the, the word economy that, that drives home the, uh, sincerity. Maybe, maybe, but sincerity is the key, right? It's not necessarily the specific language. It's, it's whether or not I buy it. Right. That's really what it is. Yeah. Believability. Very cool. Very cool. And she's, we, we didn't talk about that show crashing did we you said you watched the first episode i watched the first one just because i like her yeah she created that show too yeah i don't know how she like got so much power at such a young age how old is she now 33 she is 33 but crashing was years ago yeah so she was probably like late 20s it's a little more conventional Mm -hmm. um and very british it's very like british ensemble comedy right um but she's still in it yeah 
And she wrote it. Interesting. Yeah. She wasn't in Shameless, was she? Shameless. No. You mean like the British Shameless? Yeah, the British Shameless. I've never watched that. I don't think so, though. She's buddies with Donald Glover, apparently. Okay. I like that. I want to see that happen. Yeah. Like to get something just go on there. I know. Did you watch uh, the Rihanna movie on Amazon with Donald Glover? No. Did you? What's it called? Guava Island. I meant to bring that up. If we didn't, like, never watched like, it months ago. I mean, it's only like 55 minutes. I'm not even sure it qualifies as a movie. Is it like a 55 minute music video? I think in a way it's a music video. Yeah. But it tells a story. It's a narrative. Yeah. It's just weird art that like almost nobody else would have the license to make, but he just gets to make it and, and puts it out there. I think, uh, I don't know if we've seen each other since I watched Bash Brothers. Bash Brothers. The Andy Samberg. You watched that? Yes. I didn't watch it. You didn't? No. Oh, you got to watch it. Is it akin to their tennis thing and their cycling thing? No, it's not even mockumentary style. It's literally just like a 30-minute music video, like like lemonade style. But Lonely Island. But Lonely Island as Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco. Oh. In in 1988 as, as like the Bash Brothers. So Andy is who? Jose Canseco. Sure. Yeah. And Akiva Schaefer is Mark McGuire. Okay, I'll watch it. It's yeah. only a half an hour. It's only a half an hour. It's basically like they made an album of raps <laughs> recorded by Mark McGuire. And they were just like Oakland A's fans growing up and they wanted something to. This is such a beautiful thing about the, about the streaming age is that like these, these artists who are celebrities and in every sense of the term, like conventional celebrities like Andy Samberg is on a structured sitcom on a network, on network TV, and he came from a big machine called Saturday Night Live. Mm. He's like a conventional uh, celebrity who people have crushes on and are fans of. But also, he has this incredibly weird motivator within him where he just wants to make stuff that doesn't follow any kind of rules. And he can because we just have this place called the internet where you put it out. Him and his friends just... Do you want, what if we just did this? Especially now that they're like, we'll we'll pay you to make something. Yeah, and they're like, okay, here's the pitch. Yep, I'm Jose Canseco. My best friend Akiva Schaefer is uh, Mark McGuire. We're the Bash Brothers in 1988, but it's a series of music videos <laughs> depicting our rise and fall. Right, but not even really fall. No, it's just a half an hour long. I'm into it. It's ridiculous. There's a song that starts out, hey, you nasty freak, shake your nasty butt. <laughs> and it's literally like the Haim sisters, Maya Rudolph, and the girl who plays Rosa on, uh, on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. On Brooklyn. Okay. Okay, I'll watch it. Yeah. That song is called I Have Parking Lot. Speaking of Lonely Island, you know the song from, from Popstar, uh, the equality song where he's like, I'm not gay, but he's talking, he's yeah. like, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a take on Same Love by Macklemore, yeah. right? Um but it's incredibly homophobic. A lot of people are accusing this new Taylor Swift song of being like the real life version of that. Really? Because it's it's supposed to be like a pride anthem. Right. Uh, and a couple of lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, a couple of lines are, are questionable. And the video is actually kind of cool. It's very celebratory and there's a lot of queer people in it. Um, but then she also kind of just co-ops it to be about Taylor Swift. Right. And... I don't, I don't, it, it, it just seems disingenuous coming from her, not because there's any reason to believe she's homophobic. I'm sure she's not, but, and I, I, I love Taylor Swift, but, um, it feels so strategic 
and from this yeah. person who's always been about like who you are narratively to the culture. Right. And so like now that she's on her own, she gets to be political and she gets to be very pro pride. Well, the last two albums have been very strategic too, haven't they? Oh my like, God. Like painfully strategic. Very yeah. like playing on the cues of the last But isn't year she too of... old to like have a persona now? Like she's been around long enough that she should just be Taylor Swift. Like yeah. it's one thing if you're a teenager, if you're like 22 and you're like have to play into what Sony wants you to be to make the most of your personal product. Yeah. But she has graduated beyond that now. And also she's a grown ass woman. Like she's not Ariana Grande anymore. Totally. Zendaya like she she is above all that she should be yeah Justin Timberlake's not coming out here exactly and like being like okay we need a song that like really hits people because no right and the difference is he wanted to make like a country-ish album that had beats in it and he did but he didn't like start driving a truck right you know what I mean yeah he just like made the songs he wanted to make and that's that's what I'd way prefer from you It, it wasn't pandery like it wasn't like this song goes out, the songs are going to stop the violence or something, you know? Right. And so. Although, Where Is the Love kind of was that, and he was singing on it. Where Is the Love? By Black Eyed Peas. Justin Timberlake? Yeah, he he sang the chorus on it. Did he really? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I love that song. Yeah, it's a good song. It's a great song. Um, and the other thing is, like, because Taylor Swift's whole MO was neutrality for, like, a decade, it, it would be a totally different thing if, like, Lady Gaga put her to Pride Anthem. Mm-hmm. Because she's always been aligned with that community. Yeah. Or Katy Perry. Um, but I don't know if she can pull it off, Taylor. It seems disingenuous. Except and, for that it's, it's coming easy. out during Pride Month. Well, like, that's that's what yeah, it's all about. Right. But like she's got the Queer Eye guys in her video. And she's right. got RuPaul in the vi- and Ellen appears in the video. Because we know how Ellen just loves to be around <laughs> celebrities. The hate-o-meter on Ellen has not gone down for you. Eh? <sighs> it's, is that, what, what level are we at? We should check in every week. <laughs> last last week, I think you were like an eight five, right? No, you're probably like I'll put you at like a seven, a seven last, last time. Well, what's ten? Ten is like she's really done it. <laughs> oh, okay. Once she really does, once it. she really does. Well, like it. like I think a ten on the hate meter would be a lot of other people are starting to call her on her bullshit. Too. People do a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think inside she's known for being really awful to her staff. Really? Yeah. Whoa. She also, the other day she called, uh, she had Aubrey Plaza on yeah. and she called, we're back with Audrey Plaza. <laughs> and Aubrey Plaza just looked at the camera like, uh. <laughs> <Really>? yeah. <laughs> she Jim Halpert. And, and then, and then, Ellen very quickly said Aubrey, like, and she, like, found a way to say Aubrey. She's like, so Aubrey. Yeah. Yeah, Because, like, somebody in her ear or whatever, somebody held up a sign being like, don't say Audrey. Pronounce the B. Yeah. That's hilarious. So she kind of She's like, Bobbrey? Yeah. Oh, (laughs) so she didn't even announce Bobbrey? Bodry? Uh, (laughs) Audrey Plaba? (laughs) Blaza. Audrey Blaza. (laughs) Bobbrey Blaba. So we've graduated to that part in the podcast where we're just saying nonsense. <laughs> yes. Speaking of streaming things, mm-hmm. uh, new record broken on Netflix this weekend. Okay. Biggest opening weekend for a Netflix original movie, which is not a thing we've ever known before, but Netflix was so excited about it, they had to tell us that 30 million people tuned in to watch Murder Mystery starring Adam Sandler and Jennifer Oh my Aniston, God, you're serious. Which is not bad. No. I watched it. Oh, you watched it and it's not bad. It's not half bad. I wow. mean, it's bad. If you paid for it, it would be bad. Yeah, okay. But it's like, it's you're never bored. It's so incredibly watchable. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's very Agatha Christie. It's like clearly in the vein of an Agatha Christie 
uh, structure. Mm-hmm. But and who dat? <laughs> like like Murder in the Orient Express. Right. Okay. Thank um, you. And so it's through the lens just, of Adam Sandler comedy. I'm trying to be more transparent. When there's someone that I just legitimately don't know, I'm just gonna sure. I'm gonna shout it out. Yeah, I'm not that's gonna good. Tr- try to go with it. Don't pretend. No. No, I appreciate that. Um, and it kind of falls in line with the Kevin Jamesian mm-hmm. trope of like dumpy husband could never get this wife. Right. And they, they he's have got like, a mustache for no reason. He's got a mustache for no reason. And it's also another thing where Adam Sandler's just brought his friends on vacation to make a movie. Yeah. Um, but the MPAA, uh, they equate this kind of an opening in terms of like, um, viewership to a $120 million opening weekend. Really? Which is a huge opening weekend for like a comedy. Do you think he'll ever release another movie in theaters? I don't think so. I th- I think he's good with Netflix. I think that he can get whatever he wants from Netflix now. Yeah, he's never had a bomb with Netflix. No. He did the conventional cool guy thing, which was his stand-up special. He's yeah, done like five true. or six movies now, which just destroy their ratings algorithms. Yeah, Netflix would give him whatever he wants. He doesn't have to be in the theaters anymore. He's the real breadwinner yeah. for Netflix, and he doesn't have to compete against stuff. No. And they own the IP now. Yep. Like that is theirs. Yeah. Murder I think you got to figure it out. I'm, I'll I'll watch it. Yeah. I've got a few things on before that. I watched right. Always Be My Maybe. Oh, yeah. Really liked it. How great is Hello Peril? Hello Peril is great. Yeah. I, I almost said Ill Peril. I thought it was Ill Peril. Hello Peril. Hello Peril. Um, it's a take on uh, Yellow Peril, which was like the appropriation of Asian culture. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, there, uh, yeah, I, I actually th- didn't find it that Netflixy. I thought you could have seen that in theaters and it would have still made sense. Well, because it felt like a classic romantic comedy. That's right. You, do, you don't happen to see movies like that in theaters very often anymore. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean they can't be. Right. But it felt very like, I, I hesitate to say When Harry Met Sally because that is the top, but it kind of feels like that. Like it's just modern. You know, I've never watched When Harry Met Sally Bro. all the whole way through. Bro, that's terrible. That sucks. <laughs> I know. Is it on Netflix? Can I watch there? No, it's not on Netflix. <sighs> it's got to be somewhere. It's the greatest of all time. It's objectively the best romantic comedy ever made. That's what they say. Yeah. <laughs> and you like romantic comedies. I Well, maybe we should do a show show episode where I watch When Harry Met Sally. Sure. Within the next week. Okay. Okay. We'll do a What Does Matt Think of When Harry Met Sally. I don't want to oversell it for you. Uh, well, that's the thing. I find it hard to come back to it and be like, man. That was so good. Well, it's not going to like, it's, there's no twist ending in it. No. But it's just one of the great quotable movies. It's in Rob Reiner's amazing, like untouchable hot streak. Right. Uh, it, it's just so charming and mm-hmm. you're on the hook for it. It also feels incredibly real. Yeah. All right. And it takes place I'm over in. a long stretch of time. Yeah. And the side characters are really good. It's an incredibly believable movie. It feels so real and it invented the these two don't like each other at all at the start kind of structure. Gotcha. It invented that. Nora so Ephron, it was, man. It was a meat hate. It was a meat hate. It was. It was yeah. a meat hate. That is a how it hate. starts. That was when Harry met Sally. It didn't start out great. When Harry met Sally, there was a meat hate and then it got better. Yep. And then they fell in love. And then they fell in love. That's how it ends. And he had what she was having. Uh, no, no wait that was rob reiner's mom it was rob reiner's mom you know that much but you've never I, seen when I, know a, Sally? I know a lot about it i <laughs> what actually else do you know about i it? actually ate at uh cat's diner in new york did you have what she's having 
There must, I, there must there be probably thing. was something that was like what she's having. There must be a thing on the menu yeah, that's what she's having. I bet there was. There must be. What else do you know about this movie? Because now I'm fascinated. Um, I know Rob Reiner. I know Rob Reiner's mom, Billy Crystal. Is it Melanie Griffith? No. <laughs> Who's the girl in it again? Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan. Yeah, Meg right. Ryan. Yes. Yeah. You did probably Sally. say Meg Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I just figured you meant somebody else. No. Uh, yeah. Carrie Fisher's in it. Bruno, Bruno Kirby's in it. I mean, the cast is not big. Um, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay, cool. Check it out. If if they made When Harry Met Sally today, who would it be starring? Oh, that's a wonderful question. Uh, like Emma Stone for sure. But I don't know. Like somebody goofy, right? Like not somebody conventionally. Yeah. Uh, I just want to see if you go where I'm thinking. Adam Devine. Okay. I was going to say Seth Rogen. Too old. Too old. Yeah. Was Billy Crystal younger than Seth Rogen is now when he played Harry? Definitely. Really? I I really... uh, Maybe not definitely. No, maybe not definitely. Probably 40. But he plays very young in the beginning of the movie because it it happens over the span of a long time, this movie. Right. Adam Devine. Interesting. Interesting Yeah, maybe he's too young. Um, Somewhere in the middle. What about Jonah Hill? Another Jonah Hill, Emma Stone. Oh yeah, you're another right. one of those. A little too on the nose. It is Emma Stone. I'm locked on that in my head. Okay. Yeah. What about Emma Watson? Emma Watson's not funny. No. No. She's too uh, too Gryffindor. <laughs> we need more of a Hufflepuff. Leviosa. Yeah. Uh, the Stranger Things season three. Stranger Things three. Straight the third season. Right. That comes Stranger out Things. July fourth. Right. It's really soon. Okay. Really soon. Um. That's going to be a very big deal. Mm-hmm. They're they're branching out now, right? And, yes. And Gaten Madaraza, yep. who plays Dustin, mm-hmm. is the host of a new prank show <laughs> on Netflix. Right. You aware of this? I've heard that it's like kind of mean. It's so mean. It sucks. It's so mean and it's getting terrible press. The, the conceit is they take two unemployed people who are looking for work <laughs> and tell them they have a job. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same job. And they show up and they're like, this is my job. No, it's my job. And then a bunch of horrible stuff happens. (laughs) Oh my God. And then they get paid for their time and they're sent on their way. Right. And it's not like punked because they're not punking like a celebrity who's already doing fine. That's what made punked okay. That's that's exactly what made punked okay. You don't feel bad for them. No less. It's literally, you you can also prank poor people, (laughs) but you can't prank poor people into thinking that they're not going to be poor anymore. No. <laughs> no. Like giving them a job. That's devastating. No like less, maybe not a great job. It's one thing It's one thing to do like a hidden camera show where you put like a guy dressed up as a ghoul in a mailbox and he jumps out and scares them. Yeah. Just but for laughs gags we're talking Just for laughs gags. But it's an entirely other thing to be like, okay, you're finally, you're finally coming up. It's finally your pain is going to go yes. away. Yeah. Psych. Uh, we got you. You just got <laughs> dusted. Yeah, you, exactly. That's the other thing. From this extremely rich Young 16 year old. <laughs> Can you imagine? This prof- this like stupidly unheard of successful teenager. You know that like there are people who just hadn't seen the show and he comes out and it's supposed to be a big reveal like Ashton Kutcher, but they're like, uh, who is this 16 year old taunting who's me? Who's this awkward 16 year old who's trying to ruin my life? You know what's funny on the Just for Laughs gags thing? I had a friend who lived in Montreal for a while. Mm. 
And apparently he knew the park that the like gags, a lot of the gags were filmed in. So would he hang so out he there? Would in, he would intentionally like walk through <laughs> hoping that something would happen to Wanting him. to get pranked? Yeah. Oh my God. That's a good idea. Yeah, like kind of funny. Bo Burnham is going to write all the songs for the upcoming Sesame Street feature film. Right. So a la Brett McKenzie for the Muppet movie 10 years ago. Yep. He's going to... Bo Burnham, who got famous for My Whole Family Thinks I'm Gay. Yeah. And all those like Helen Keller songs. Sure. Is going to do the Sesame Street soundtrack. Yep. And I think it'll be great. It will because he's he, so good. I think he's very talented. Yeah. And he hasn't... He hasn't flexed that that kind of musical muscle where yeah. he'll be like, it actually works perfectly for the Muppets. Because it really he, does. Well, his songs are, are, are ditties, right? And they're non genre specific. Like they'll, totally. they'll go from rap to ballads to, you know, country songs. And he's always been incredibly sincere. Not yeah. always, but certainly in the last 10 years, he's been right. so sincere and touching. Yeah. He's not going to shy away from the emotional side of it. No. Oh no, I agree. It can be done. It's just yeah. so weird to, to hear someone who's, like often said horrible words totally like go on to work at sesame street totally can you, can and, you tell me how to get and how to like, get to sesame street seems like someone who you know may be clinically depressed oh yeah i think so. like i, I don't think, think i'm out of line and and saying that i think he kind of alludes to that a little bit in his special he talks about that a lot about how um he his first panic attack was on stage and he right. got like tunnel vision and he just yeah. had to keep going yeah going yeah through it right yeah but that's okay these guys make Look, good art. Yeah. It's Doing big one. things. Are you watching Barry? Did you get through Barry yet? No, I haven't. I Dude, honestly haven't watched it in like a few weeks. What have you been weeks. doing? I don't know. It's my one month anniversary today. I'm spending oh, it with you. I can't believe this. <laughs> you didn't think it was going to get to a month? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I owe somebody $100. <laughs> my dad. <laughs> Well, at, least he, about. at least he bet for you yeah yeah that's, yeah, that's fair <laughs> you bet against me uh, a whole month how has it been are you are you uh have you figured out the whole this is my wife thing yeah yeah it's like well the the thing i haven't figured out is when i'm like about to say something i'll go like this is my girlfriend no this is my wife interesting and then i'm like Wait, am I just saying this because I'm like trying to flex that I just got that's, married? That's what I have. Yeah. See, it, it's not for you. Right. Here's the difference. You will always say your wife. People yeah. who are in their 90s have a wife. That's right. Um, but I am newly just used to not saying girlfriend anymore. Right. I really, I probably, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I don't think I'll slip up again and say girlfriend. You're using fiance a it lot. It is natural to say fiance. But it doesn't feel natural. Now I won't. I, I won't forget. But every time I feel like an idiot saying it. Do beca you? Because fiance is always news. You're more mature in the way that you speak too. I felt weird. I felt like I was putting on a front saying fiance too. I felt like I was really well, trying to like my fiance. I do have that. First, yeah, first of all, bit. it's it's a douchey word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. A, it's a really douchey word. Might be true. Uh, but also. Unless you've been engaged for like years and years, mm -hmm. saying you have a fiance is always relatively new information. Yeah, that's true. And so every time you say fiance, you're risking having to tell someone about having gotten engaged and how you're getting married. And and, and they'll typically go like, oh, congratulations. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, thanks. Right. 
like oh, oh thanks like you're like was that sincere was that a sincere thank you did it look like i was just digging for it really sucks that? on the air it oh, sucks so much yeah. because like i i can be telling a story where becky's like a crucial character in a story like a thing that happened on the weekend mm-hmm. and i'm kind of i don't say her name anymore okay um just because I, I think I think it's more objective to just like talk about people in like normal relational kind of contexts. Mm-hmm. I could say my fiance Becky, and then I could refer to her as Becky, but that's more syllables. So just say who she is, which is my fiance. She's not my girlfriend anymore. She's my fiance. She's not my wife yet. She's my fiance. Mm-hmm. But again, it's a distracting word. It's like yes. oh fiance, and yeah. now you're not listening to me. And, now, now you know that I'm planning a wedding. And sometimes you're not listening to yourself. Yep. Like you say fiance and you're like, oh, did that come out? Like you're automatically, you go down a tunnel. Yep. I did call Jen my fiance a few times. Since the wedding. No, no, no. Since Just in general. Like like in, in the year yeah. before we got married. I pretty much stuck to girlfriend. Yeah. Didn't use fiance a whole, it just felt disingenuous. Girlfriend's not wrong either. No. No. Future wife would be really obnoxious. My betrothed. future wife. Yeah. My betrothed, be- I would sometimes say like to like make fun of myself. Well, it's like my wife. <laughs> That's right. Which I use a lot. Yeah, I, I would too. My wife. It won't take very long. And sometimes I just still, if someone asks like who she is uh, and I know them, I'll hold the, my wife for a long time. I'll be like, she's, um, uh, she, I guess you can say she's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then she rolls her eyes and walks away. Yes, she's, she'll shake her head and throw a can at me. Another very dear friend of mine got married this weekend. And it yes. Was, it was just the most wonderful weekend. It was lovely. That went really well. I, I haven't stopped thinking about it. It was just no like, way. A, like a special time. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. It's great when your best friends start getting married. Yeah. Once once that happens, it's like, Well, and imagine go. how like recently, latently emotional Colin handled it. Yeah. Oh God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We were a blubbery bunch of groomsmen. Let me tell you. Nice. Yeah. And some of them will be listening to this podcast nodding along. Yeah. yeah we were. We yeah. sure were. Yeah. Good. But it was great. That's fine. Yeah, it was. I also pulled my first all-nighter intentionally in over ten years. Oh yeah, I saw the you guys were ziplining at like five thirty in the morning. Yes, we were. I saw that and actually saw like it was on your story. And it said five hours ago. And I, yeah, I think it was 10 a.m. Yep. <laughs> so Yeah, well, I think so. I know. I put a graphic on it that said it's 517. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that was like, I, I, I stayed up through. I didn't go. It's not like we went to bed at 6 a.m. I did not go to bed. You did not go to bed at all. Nope. Which was dumb. I should have. Yeah. You, you didn't like. I'm not fully recovered. Really? No. No. And the next Monday morning, I had to do the morning show. So it actually kind of worked out okay. Because usually at the end of a weekend, you're not that sleepy. Especially if you have to go to bed at nine o'clock. Yep. Um, so I came home from this from this wedding, hadn't slept at all. Yep. And I crashed out, and I slept great before the morning show. And then I slept great the next night because I still hadn't recovered enough. Yeah. So I'm kind of just getting back to normal. Yeah. But I mean, I've I with my insomnia, I've uh, pulled unintentional all nighters. Those aren't the same. No. This was just like not. this incredible free form. Yeah. Where it's like you have to decide when do you stop drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Like when, when am I day drinking? Yeah. You know, you know what? I, I actually have a really hard time staying up all night because I always pay so hard for it. Yeah. So like when the sun starts coming up, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be so sick. Like, this is just not good. Like if I, 
if I'm awake tomorrow, it's going to be bad. I'm the opposite. I, I think I skirted the hangover because I stayed up. Cause really, because I, wow. because I could keep eating chips and drinking water yeah. and sure. yeah, my dad, um, had to get, uh, my sister's boyfriend to drive home from the wedding yeah, because Jen's dad and uncle would not let him up from the table at the Ooh. like Anchorage house. Yeah. They, they're like, all right, no, that's fine. Lawrence, if you want to go to bed, I mean, we'll always remember, you know, on the night of Matt and Jen's wedding, you went to bed. And he was, so he got out of the car, like hat backwards, like while we were all packing up and he just came out to hug me. It was like, Matt, I saw the sun. <laughs> and I was like, what? do you mean he's like i was up till like six o'clock i was like all right <laughs> great the weird thing about seeing the Good sun this, we have a driver the weird thing about seeing the sun this time of year is that it comes up at like five o'clock in the it's morning early and so you see the sun come up and you're like oh i can't wait for those bacon and eggs yeah it's not for another four and a half hours idiot right <laughs> brunch is a while <laughs> yeah. from now get some chips yeah, yeah. breakfast to, to lunch from now that's right anyway it was the best time ever yeah so that's great, great. I and I, I said barry uh because anthony kerrigan who plays saw this the guy the bald guy what's mm-hmm. his name uh it's like frank or something. no ho hank north hank. hollywood hank yeah um, he is going to be the villain in Bill and Ted. Ted. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. It's actually great because do you remember death in Bill and Ted too? Who played death? I totally forget. Yeah. But it was someone who kind of looks like him. Okay. Like I could, I could see him potentially playing death. Maybe it is the same character. Maybe it is. I want to watch. I've, I watched one, I think more recently than I watched two. Right. But I think I really liked two. I haven't seen either one in so many. I've only seen both of them t- once each. Yeah. And not in so long. Did you enjoy them? No, I didn't care about them at all. No. Yeah. But maybe I would now. Yeah. You might find a little more charm to it. Maybe so. Yeah. Especially since Keanu's developed like a new place in culture. Yeah. Oh, man. He was so great and always be my baby. He commits, too. right? He, it he's was so there. So funny. I love yeah. when people play douchey versions of themselves. Did you know he was playing himself? Uh, I loved that they almost delayed it for like... 45 seconds before yeah. you realize like is that that's keanu, keanu reeves, reeves. <laughs> yeah it's like slow-mo him saying he's got these big horrible keanu glasses reeves. on yeah yeah oh i know these aren't even real these and this part the song i punched keanu reeves is yeah wow, it's a great song yeah yeah credit song great. and uh just renewed for a second season i think you should leave oh amazing yeah. there's no way that wasn't happening i agree it's so cheap and easy to make and everyone loved it everyone loved it yeah like that was one of the the things that Jason Manzoukas, that with Fleabag, when I heard him on the watch, he's like, oh my God, it's actually just so good. Yeah. It is so good. It's bizarre. That's true. I could watch it all again. And yeah. I probably will. Well, the whole thing, like I said, is shorter than 90 minutes. Yeah. You can sit down and watch it all in less than the length You can of a movie. clean your kitchen and have the whole season on. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you could. I all should right. do that. It's your turn to go first. You okay. Made, we got to get a move on. I was scared we weren't going to have enough to talk about. Now we... we Talked for too long. Yeah, we've talked for like an hour. Okay, I definitely know which one I'm doing. <laughs> I'm sure it's the one I wish I could do. Yes, probably. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, so I am going to recap Euphoria. Yeah, of course. Okay. It's, it's so much easier to recap. All right, you can recap the first episode of Euphoria in three, two, one, go. Okay, so uh, the character that Zendaya plays is a... Rue. Rue, yeah, is a drug addict. Um, she goes to rehab at the beginning of the show. She's realizes when she's a kid, she's OCD. She's over medicated, um, starts to love drugs, uh, goes to rehab, goes to high school. She's kind of the druggie at school. Meanwhile, there's another girl that just moved in 
also likes drugs, try hooks up with McSteamy, uh, has a weird experience, meets Rue. Oh, you could have done better than that. I could have done way better. I mean, the that. story revolves around her just getting back from rehab. So we get this like long monologue at the beginning, which explains that she like her 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 uh, development in utero was kind of fucked up, and so she has all of these like uh, conditions, right? And so she right. was, you're right. So she was heavily medicated, and, and she was born she's... on September 11th, which I thought was like pointless to the story. Come on, yeah, we're just yeah, we're just like adding stuff in that like she's cursed or whatever. Yeah, um, and so now she's super addicted to like every hardcore drug there could be. Her sister yeah. found her passed out. She's back now Maybe. from. She's back now from from rehab. She has no intention of staying clean. No. Like zero intention Absolutely whatsoever. Not. So she immediately goes and buys more drugs. She There's a whole thing where she fakes a pee test for her mom where she like mm-hmm. buys clean urine from her friend who, by the way, is Maude, Maude Apatow. Apatow. I learned that after the show. Yeah. Um, and then the other story is about Jules, who's just moved to town. Mm-hmm. And she is with her dad. who She seems to ha- they all seem to like have money. Yeah, but um, maybe not so much Rue, but like Jules seems to be like from an affluent family, although her she has a single dad because he got full custody. Who actually has like, yeah, who seems like a relatively like decent father. Yeah, that's what we're led to believe yeah. in the little we saw. But he he definitely gives her too much uh, yeah, leeway, too much freedom, too much freedom. Uh, and so she's like basically like looking for clients on like a hookup app. And she goes and she she fucks McSteamy. Yeah. Who we haven't seen like, in a very long time. Who is all of 40 years old, older than her. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Uh, and then the twist in the end is that he is the father of the douchebag bro who goes to their high school, who she almost stabbed at a party. That's right, because he got up in her face. So, like, this guy is hella rapey. He is, he like, yeah. can we just say this hour was very upsetting? It was... So uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think this can only be watched by kids in high school or within two years of high school on either side. It's like an HBO after school special. It is so deeply troubling. And yeah. more than anything, I am terrified of how realistic it might be. Yeah. Because we don't know True. what it's like to be a teenager in social media world. It made me scared to have kids. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I'm at a point now where I can relate less with the actual kids in the show and the more parents? with the parents Absolutely. and like terrified about and so there's, kids. There's a scene where this like alpha bro guy who I thought was McKay, but then McKay was the other guy who's like kind of nice, but right. he has all these douchey friends and um, they all just drink with their shirts off. They just always jeans. have their shirts off and they're like sitting around like showing each other like sex tapes that they've made. Yeah. And which she's really backing up. She's like, listen, nudes are like the currency of yep. kids. Like, yep. This is That's what... just the way it is. And then he gets super like, how true is angry that? and aggressive at this party because there's these two literally openly having sex in a pool. Yeah. And you can't tell if he's jealous because he likes that girl or if maybe he's the closet homosexual and he loves that guy. That's also possible. Um, Didn't cross my mind. And he goes into a true fit of physical rage and starts kicking people out and throwing stuff around. Yeah. And then he starts to like humiliate Jules, who's kind of snuck who's in. Just standing in the corner. And yeah. He's like, who are you? Get out of here. Yeah. And then she pulls a knife on him and she cuts her own arm just to show that she's crazy. Yeah. And then she goes home with Rue yeah. and they shoot up together and clearly they're going to be partners in crime. They don't shoot up together, do they? Uh... Well, the last line of the show is you want to get high. 
Oh, right. Yeah. So whatever they do, I guess we don't right. know. Sure. Yeah. It seems like synthetic drugs might be the the main drug of choice. Like, yeah. you know, the like EIODMT kind of drugs. Right. I, um, I don't know anything about the drugs of no, today. I really. Um, in any case, yes, it, uh, it was disturbing. I felt really weird watching, especially the mixed steamy scene. God damn. They, they that was show awful his dick watch. and like, yeah. Yeah. And well, and there's the other thing where it's like McKay and the girl from everything sucks. Yes. That girl. Yeah. They like, they actually seem to have the most wholesome connection except right. he tries to choke her while they're doing it. I mean the, the, it's bad that like the 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 most reassuring part of that scene was when it pauses for the narrator to say, "Just so you know, this isn't a rape scene." Yeah, like that's this is how hardcore this show is. And then she's like, "Don't do that again unless you have permission." And he's like, "I'm sorry." And then they get back to it, and so you're like, "Okay, these two, I guess they're the kind of the wholesome story of the show, yeah. or it's not going to go that well, probably." Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Drake is a producer on this show. Interesting. At least it says producer Drake. I missed that. Did you? Yeah. I don't it's know. It's based on an Israeli show. Like it's another show in, oh, in Hebrew. I see. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It might be like one of those things. Remember that show Skins that didn't quite make the, totally. the transition? Totally. It's like this is not, you know, it's not the same. And, and Skins wasn't as disturbing. I think it could it get disturbing like, sometimes. Yeah. Well, I think the British version could, but it, it had a lot of... um. It also reminds me a little bit of kids and like, yeah, I never watched kids. Yeah. I, didn't, I don't think I, didn't I would either, but I'm familiar with it. Yeah. And like, I guess the themes are similar. Why is it called euphoria? Except for that, like the feeling you get when you're on drugs, I guess. But like, it's not just a show about drugs, is it? It's just a show about like violence and sex and youth in this day and age. I think so. Yeah. I think maybe it's just the, everyone's trying to chase the high, whether it's sex or drugs or being liked or, you know, fitting in. Well, here's my other hot take. I liked Fesco, her burnout friend who sells her drugs. Mm-hmm. That guy's definitely going to die. That's going to be the 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 clinch where like you like him and he kind of seems to have something of a level head where he's clearly like like high on weed all the time. Yeah. Which is super tame in this show. Yeah. But he's like worried about Rue a little bit. I, but he's definitely going to overdose and die. Yeah. I, I I had a hard judgment of him early on when he started talking like, yeah man yeah yeah i don't know man shit i thought you had like come on (laughs) yep come on you know what took me out of it uh the 13 year old drug kingpin (laughs) i didn't i don't buy that i was i was trying to figure out if this was the the like dominican kid that did the did the thing a few years ago it was like I ain't no baby, man. I'm a fucking man. <laughs> well, it's just the same as that. Yeah. I just don't buy it. It's ridiculous. Like, like a kid, I'm not saying right. uh, like a 13-year-old couldn't be like a, sure. a little small-time drug dealer in like a crappy neighborhood or whatever. But she's but giving like, him so much credit. He's, he's going got his to face get, tattooed. he would get robbed. Yeah. And he does have face tattoos. 100%. Yeah. Who's who's backing this kid? Yeah. How did this kid make his way up Fesco? to be the kingpin? I don't think so. Yeah. Um. Do you think they they kind of borrowed a, a line from Game of Thrones in that regard? You Which know is how there's like the who is it, Lady Lady Marmont? I don't know. You she, watched Game of Thrones, not me. Yeah, but the, you watched the final season. Yeah. You know the little girl that gets oh yeah like, crushed. She is like supposed to be the leaders of one of the houses. Although that that only got introduced in like the last 
two seasons, I think. It is interesting how, how confident and like capable that little girl is. Yeah. But that's a fantasy. This is supposed that's to be... Why it, that's why it, it was actually allowable. And and because it was like, if your family was was the head and you were the only surviving heir, it would make sense. It kind of would. Yeah. Yeah. Even if like the people around you think it's weird that this kid is bossing you around, it might work out that right. way. In this show... It's every man for himself. Yeah. And so I guess like a 13-year-old could be a survivor. <laughs> I love how like, this is our main topic. Could a little kid actually be a drug dealer? No, he couldn't. This be a, is the most interesting part of the show. Like th- this was, is something we both well, stopped Because you on, forgot like, about it until I yeah, brought it up. Because right. it's completely weird. You're right. You're totally right. And then I was like, is this a show about a little kid being a drug dealer? Because that I would be on more on board yeah, with. Yeah, I think. guess. Let's let's make this the focus. That's it's, the spinoff. This is the Better Call Saul. It's also very po- possible that her sister starts doing drugs. Because like, her sister loves her. Yes. And clearly knows that she's fucked up. Yeah, or her sister like dies at the end of the, se- the season. I can see that. Yeah. From drugs. I, I don't... I don't... I honestly don't know if I want to give up my S or not. I know I'm not going to watch more because it's so upsetting. I'll tell you what. And also my HBO is about to expire. I was thinking I was thinking about this. I think I don't give it my ass. Right. What is happening? Is there like a plane <laughs> landing in my house? It's like a helicopter exercise <laughs> happening on yeah. the lake. Um, I don't give it my ass, but I open up the possibility that a 20-year-old me... Uh, 15 to 20 year old me would maybe have given it their s i don't i maybe i i just find it so upsetting yeah i find it really deeply upsetting i think it's probably really well made there's a style choice to it which i think is pretty cool like it's kind of got a spastic like light show to it Mm -hmm. which i wasn't against artistically but the story of it it convinced me and that was too troubling. So for that reason, I have to give it my ass. You do, you oh, owe, you owe no. it to yourself to see if you can stomach it because I think it's an enriching, eye-opening experience. I thought about another thing in it that I just, some of the dialogue made me go, oh, come on, you're just kids. Yeah. I don't give my ass. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Euphoria on HBO. Now another uh, HBO show which has been around for a little while what is the deal with the movie on deadwood i probably should have done my research it's out now it is out for sure it's out it's streaming Mm -hmm. it's streaming what's Um, what's the what's the consensus i have no idea okay i saw that it was on crave all right but that was it and i haven't heard anything elsewhere all right so i've i i honestly i don't think there's a lot of good buzz about it i guess not because i I don't know that there's bad buzz, but I don't maybe know we for kinda, sure that there's good buzz. Maybe we kind of missed. I mean, how, are there any cases of a TV show getting a movie as uh, like a, a kind of um, surrogate series finale where it turned out to be a good idea? I can't think of any. I can't think of any. Power I mean, Rangers, maybe? The Star Trek <laughs> movies, I guess. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That was something that maybe was Superman... Yeah, but like, I don't think I don't think the Superman movies were connected to any kind of serialized version. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Then no, I think this is probably going to join that club. Then because yeah. you're right, there's just not really anything interesting about it. Tough year for Timothy Oliphant, I guess, because also uh, what's it called got canceled. Like Justified? No. <laughs> Santa Clarita Diet. Oh, did it? Yeah, I'm a big Timothy Oliphant fan. I'm very, like, very, also a very unique charisma. I'm in his corner. Yeah, he has a he has his own energy. Doesn't and I, he? I think he's probably 
best known maybe for Deadwood and Justified? I think so. I don't know anything about Justified. Neither do I. No. Um, but I know that those are like the two main shows that he was in. Yeah. And and then he did a whole thing on the Grinder, which I loved. Oh, okay. Where he played himself. Oh, cool. And he was Rob Lowe's like rival. Oh, that's funny. It was great. He's good at comedy. He's great at comedy. And him on the Conan podcast, fantastic. The movie, uh, This Is Where I Leave You. With, yeah. with Timothy uh, Timothy Oliphant and, and Tina Fey and Adam Driver and Jason uh, Bateman. It's just about like a family coming back together because their dad right. died. The movie made me cry. Anyway, he was in it. Was it good? It didn't get good reviews, but I liked it. You did? Okay. Yeah. This is where I leave you. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i on the Timothy Oliphant train. I want him to like get a, a good series and do a big thing. I, I want him to be like the star in the next Mike Schur show. That's a good which idea. Which I think is very possible. Abby's got canceled, by the way. Which oh yeah that that we were waiting for that to happen terrible yeah it, yeah it was terrible i actually would like to see him do more movies like why can't he be a movie star timothy oliphant oh he totally can be yeah he's good looking he's a little old I it's, guess. it's actually kind of weird that he's been in more tv than he's been in movies seriously he was in the office yeah he was in a couple offices he had like a three episode run he was in he was a couple road run. he was in a couple mindy's was he yeah I'm trying to think yeah he's been around he's like a working character actor yeah. and that's really what he is is a character actor who has some movie star charisma. Mm-hmm. He's like the the guy that I would deem, you know, most likely to get uh, an Emmy, Oscar, Tony kind of thing. You think Timothy Oliphant is a candidate for the EGOT? Not the EGOT, because I don't think he could get a Grammy. Very interesting. Possibly a Tony, though. Yeah, sure. And Tony translates pretty easily to Grammy. Yeah, it's really, yeah, okay. All right. We can look to see if Timothy Oliphant has been in a... He would The only one he could possibly have would be an Emmy, and I think that's a stretch. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. He might have gotten an Emmy for Deadwood. It would have to be. Yeah. And I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Should I recap the first episode? Let's do it. I'll do my best. I'll, I'll do my goddamn best, but I don't know what happened in this show. lot going on. Yep. whole lot going on. Seemed like a... Maybe... Well, maybe more dialogue than was necessary? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And All right. I'm going to uh, start you on three, two, one. Okay. You have 30 seconds to recap the first episode of Deadwood in three, two, one. Our story begins in the Old West in a town called Deadwood where the sheriff is Timothy Oliphant. And uh, the opening scene is, is the hanging of a man. Um, and meanwhile, there's also the, the person who really seems to be running the town is kind of the 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 owner of the the saloon slash whorehouse upstairs and he um is a is a murderous fiend and there's somebody somebody rides into town and says there's been a massacre up the way and nobody believes him Mm -hmm. and then oh that's different and then sorry that's okay it's all right and then they decide to go up and sure enough it's true and one of the kids has not been killed and is still alive and they and they bring her back yes that's all I got, man. Yeah, that's all. I, that's all I could glean from this story. There was the thing about the about the one um, lady of the night yep. who has been uh, she has been uh, abused by one of the clients, and so she shoots him, right? Yeah. Yes, and then she gets beat up for attacking a client, right? And she was already beat up at that point, right? And also by the guy. Yeah, she gets beat up by the guy, but then she like climbs into bed with him and they spoon. Like they also kind of have a tender relationship, even though he's horrible to her. Right. Like yeah, you think she's got that, a bit of Stockholm syndrome, I think. Like at the end, 
she like comes in and takes off her her nightgown and you think that like oh he dips his pen in the company ink as well and right. then they just like spoon they just hold each other yeah that's Cred- kind of the weird ending just kind of roll yeah um yeah what what do we know this girl from she's from something very big oh i don't know i don't think i picked up on it no no i'm sure you're right feel like i keep wanting to say like breaking bad but i know oh you know what she's from ray donovan oh okay yeah all right she's um she's ray donovan's wife uh okay uh, paula malcolmson is her name trixie she yeah. played trixie right. okay don's a pretty good boston accent for ray donovan i never really watched ray donovan it's not great there's a it's interesting that like westerns haven't had a more cinematic transition into the modern era mm-hmm. like it almost seems like Disney, a la Pirates of the Caribbean, could do some really flashy, really zippy, cool, authentic action comedy that yep. that's, takes place in the Old West, mm-hmm. but it hasn't happened. You're right. I would say the most successful Western adaptation other than Deadwood lately has been Westworld. Yeah, but that's got another element to it. It's Th- not that's authentically exact- a Western. I, I feel like that is the allure. I think, I think the most successful Western... Uh, of the last 20 years has got to be Guardians of the Galaxy. And and that is like like genre-wise a Western, but it's also, it's not the Western we're talking no, about, right? No. What'd you think of Cowboys versus Aliens? Oh, what a classic. <laughs> did you actually see it? I <laughs> no, did not see it. I did it. not see okay. it. Daniel Craig, Harrison Ford? Yeah. I nailed it. <laughs> there's like a, there's an interesting like, the contrast of the of the lens has this like really pale hue. Did you notice that they washed it out to make it look like an old spaghetti western? Like older than it actually is. Like they show the the horizon and it looks like it's this old like Louis L'Amour adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know what the whole like mercantilism part of it was where like the sheriff was also selling like yeah, stuff on the side. Corruption, I guess. Yeah. There's nothing yeah, there's nothing sacred in Deadwood. No. And I, I also kind of didn't really understand the, the opening scene. No, why the guy was being hung. And then he kind of like voluntarily hung himself. Yes. Yeah. And then it seemed like Timothy Oliphant was getting him to write like a a nice letter that he could send back to the family. Right, yeah. But for what? You know what grossed me out? I'm all over the map. When the guy gets shot through the head and mm-hmm. then they put a needle all through his head uh-huh. to show that <laughs> the bullet goes to- through. And for some reason, the doctor has some like fixation with how the brain works. Right. (laughs) Yeah. He's going to be the one who discovers like motor function. Jeffrey Jones. Yeah. Big fat guy. Did you know who this guy was? Yes. The uh, principal from Ferris Bueller's. Edward Rooney from Ferris Bueller. That's right. Didn't Uh, he like get some. Charged with possession of child pornography in 2002 and accused by a 17 year old boy of propositioning for more required to register as a sex offender and then charged in 2004 for failing to update his parole. Wow. Yeah. And then we haven't heard from him since. Well, he was in Deadwood, which was in 2006. Oh. Yeah. yeah that's not a good look. No, that wouldn't I, happen today. No, it wouldn't. Yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Yeah. I don't like that. I know. I find it very bizarre, but I haven't seen him since. And he hasn't had like a, a big booming career. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess the writer did have Alzheimer's. I mean, yeah, that's... It, so I didn't, maybe he We didn't look into like, that. Yeah. Was he sick when he made Deadwood? I don't know. I don't know when he was actually diagnosed. The costumes are awesome in this show. 
Oh man, the the, the whole set, the like, aesthetic was, was really, really cool. It was on point. And you know yeah. who I actually really liked, who I haven't liked in a lot of things, was the the guy who played the barkeep. I don't know his Ian McShane. Ian McShane, yeah. But he's horrendous. He's so vile. Oh yeah, it. no, no. I I'm not saying that. I I didn't like his. I I liked his character. I guess I'm not saying I like liked what he stands for. Right. But like it, he plays a pretty compelling anti-hero. I have a quote from him that I think maybe contributed to your appreciation for him. Okay. That's all I've got to say on the subject, except the next round's on the house. May God have mercy on the poor family and pussies half price for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I, I'm trying to figure out, is he a bad guy? It, well, he, he's a bad guy, but you he's know that he's got guy. redeeming qualities. Well, everyone in Deadwood is a bad guy. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um. Well, Arguably not Tim Theolophon, although I think he's got his demons. Sure. Okay. He might yeah. be. He might be the one who's supposed to be the purest of them all. Right, but that isn't that an easy formula for telling a story? Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna shape up this town. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, and to be fair, like the old west probably was at least this lawless. Like so much western stuff that we've been exposed to. Not that there's been that much in recent years, like we said, but so much of it is probably really sanitized for but, the sake of entertainment. Like it probably was really fucking gruesome. Yeah. It probably were killing Johns in the back of the of the oh, whorehouse. Yeah. Wasn't Deadwood almost an explicitly lawless land though? Like isn't that how they kind of started the show? Well, he's the sheriff though. But that's what I was wondering. Like yeah. weren't they talking about like how yeah, it's like there's almost no laws and Maybe he's the new sheriff. Maybe we missed on that. That know. would be a real cliche. It's like, I'm new in town. I'm the new coach <laughs> of this new football team. He's literally a new sheriff in town. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, the entire series run has 2,980 fucks or derivatives right. of the F word. Yeah. And none in the movie. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say they sanitize yeah, it. Yeah, they, the they got a PG-13 for the movie. <laughs> um, not... So, uh, people have told me like, okay, you've watched Sopranos and uh, The Wire. You gotta watch. I've, I've heard it in that same trifecta yeah. as well. And so maybe it's just one of those shows that you get more on board with. You, you could see how you watch the first episode and it's new and it starts catching a buzz. I think it's just because it, it like, when did The Sopranos go off the air? Probably in 2006, right? So people at HBO were like, I guess this is the new quality drama. Let's watch it. And it was pretty good. Yeah, it would probably would have been the next in line after yeah. that. But The Wire was in the mix too at that point. Yeah. So maybe it took two shows to equal what The Sopranos was. Maybe. Anyway, like I, I, I it's not for me. Um, I actually don't think I give it my ass based on the pilot. I have every faith that it gets better. Yeah. I, 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 I'm disappointed for the fans if the movie wasn't good or I like know. I don't really know what happened there, but... I, I based on the pilot, I didn't find it that alluring. I found it a little dry and quiet. It had enough to hook me. Okay, it had enough to hook me. I give him my ass. So we reverse on both on both shows. Yeah, then. yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's not insane that uh, it kind is insane. of <laughs> that a, a kind of high school uh, uh, story you give your ass and a violent story I give my ass. Right, but I like if we genre boil stuff. It, if we, I, I like genre stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But you like the genre of high school drama more than... But is this high school drama? This is not a John Hughes show. Euphoria. I think it might be... And I don't like 13 Reasons Why. I think it might be Hughes Point now. 
I think I, <laughs> this is what he'd be writing today. <laughs> I read a fat, I read a Pretty fascinating yeah. article um, written by Molly Ringwald. She mm. who's a really good writer, by the way. She she wrote this in depth article about uh, how John Hughes is lauded as being this person who's sensitive to a younger generation to his own, and yet he had this glaring blind spot of misogyny, which appears in so much of his work and granted it was a different time but there's other things that wasn't even appropriate then and like so she has a really unique perspective on that as his muse for like several movies yeah yeah um so like a good example is in the breakfast club when bender is like hiding under the table and he puts his face between her legs oh yeah there's like these things that like that wasn't you'd comedy be charged for. yeah you'd be charged for that <laughs> yeah 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 you're right i now does she kind of like lean into anything that she did she think it was appropriate at the time was she like no the no the, the article is about how there's all kinds of things that she was not she okay was with then and there's there were times where she would say to him this isn't all right and he'd be like oh you're right like it's not the article's not an indictment of John Hughes no it's basically like this was weird then or this wasn't weird then it's weird now it's just a really well written um, thoughtful article. It's it's not guns ablazing, mm -hmm. but it's it's an interesting perspective on that. It's a unique perspective in today's society. Right. Yeah. I I feel like that that was kind of the thing about John Hughes movies. There were whether it was the language or the actions of some of the characters. They always had like a surprising bit of bite to them. Yeah. Oh my God. Ferris Bueller is is his best movie, and like that that movie makes me really emotional because like it's 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 not it's supposed to just seem like a goofy romp and yeah. it's so not in the end it's like this really moving story totally i yeah. think they could make another movie about ferris bueller's sister oh that's interesting yeah like like her whole story and how like angry she was well, and this is the thing this is ferris bueller it's the really rare example where the main character is not who you see yourself through like it's not like you really relate to the main character. The whole point is this is a movie about people who live in the shadow of somebody else. Right. And so like I heard somebody else say one time to me that you should really watch Ferris Bueller, uh, Ferris Bueller's day off and pretend that the movie's called Cameron Fry takes a stand. Right. And suddenly it's this, this story about like, yeah, standing up for who you are and, and like he's as much bullied by Ferris as he is by his dad. Yeah. Uh, and but, but you almost kind of are watching it through Cameron's eyes. That's what I mean. But like, he's not the he's but, not the but titular not, character, but because with, yeah. he's in the shadow of of Ferris, right? Who gets the girls and everybody loves him. Like the fact that like Ferris stays home from school because he has the flu, quote unquote, right? And the entire school decides that he must be dying, right? Like that's that's satire, right? Yeah. Everybody loves Ferris more than me, and or more than more than they love me, and I I, I kind of relate to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're supposed to. You definitely are, but but I don't know if that always gets articulated. Right. Everyone's just like, I'm a total Ferris. Yeah. I'm taking a day off. Well, you, know, you wouldn't school. you wouldn't like that movie if you were a Ferris. There right. are Ferrises. There are Ferrises. But well, I mean, I think the Ferrises probably like Ferris too. Cuz they're like, yeah, he's like me. Maybe it works on both levels. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe the Ferrises don't watch movies like that. Yeah, they're they, too busy. They just watch John Wayne. They're too busy driving Ferraris. Yeah. Or Lambos or whatever it was. 
It was a Ferrari. They're watching John Wick. Is that what you said? Yeah. That's what they would be watching? Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, Will Smith wants us to know that Aladdin is still in theaters, so he dressed in Agrabah drag. He dressed as basically Princess Jasmine for his Instagram. Oh. Which was weird. That's, uh... <laughs> he... He came on screen and was like, trust me, <laughs> you're going to love this movie. And like, how do you believe this guy? Well, it, it, he led by saying, trust me. Yeah. Which we'd never do. Which we would never do. Hard pass on that one. <laughs> what else do you have to say? Tr- trust you? No, thanks, sir. <laughs> Pause the video. Not today. Closing Twitter. <laughs> never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith. <laughs>